This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Chuck Ford and Relate Church in Byron, Mississippi. For more information, please visit RelateChurch.com. All right, I, but I believe this with all my heart, that if, if you'll do this, because, and the reason I can be so confident, because this is what's in the Word. This is what's in the Word. All the way beginning in, in Exodus, God said he laid out this plan. It's, it's, a, it's, it's really four big quadrants to his growth for your life. And he said, if you'll do this, and you'll do this, and you'll do this, and you'll do this, your life is going to be completely satisfaction. You're going to be so satisfied in your life. You're going to be so fulfilled in your life. And isn't that what we really, we really want out of life? We want to be fulfilled. That's why we work. That's why we, 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 you know, we think that if we add this pleasure to our life or, or we add this, this car to our life or we add this house to our life or, or we add this, this trip to our life, that if we're just experience rich, in life, then we're going to be satisfied. But how many of you know that's not the truth? That is not the truth. You, people add to themselves all the time, and they're not satisfied on the inside. And so, but if we do it God's way, if we do it according to God's plan, and we walk the journey that he's laid out, and we take the steps that he's laid out, when we get to the end of our life, or way before we get to the end of our life, if we'll just do these things, we'll find out that there's fulfillment, there's satisfaction in our life. And so we talked about this last week and also on Wednesday night that the first step in our journey is to know God. To know God. How many of you know that would be important that we, we know God? And when I talk about knowing God, I'm not talking about knowing about God. I'm not talking about, well, I've heard about God before or I've heard about Jesus before. I'm not talking about just knowing Him, knowing about Him. This word know means it's, it's really the same language that's used in, in Genesis when it says that Adam knew his wife Eve. What does that mean? It means that they came into this intimate relationship together. And that's what God desires for us. That's what God, he's always desired a relationship. Not religion, not a lot of just putting a lot of do's and don'ts on us. He's always desired a relationship. He's, also, he's always desired an intimate relationship with us. He's always desired to be close to us and us to him. That's what God's desire is. He wants us to know him. He wants, us, he wants us to be in relationship with him. And this has always been his plan. Sin came along into the earth, and sin interrupted that plan. Sin interrupted that goal. But thank God he knew he had a plan that he would send his own son in the likeness of sinful man, and he would put away sin through the sacrifice of himself. And so Jesus spilled his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, right? And why did he do that? Not just so that we could be forgiven. Forgiven, thank God we're forgiven, but what's the forgiveness for? What, what did he wipe the slate clean for? So that we could be restored and come into reconciliation with God and have that relationship back. And so it's always been God's desire for us to be close to him and him to us. That is his, that is his big thing. You see, it's not, it, it's not about everything that we think it is. It's not just about being a good person. It's not just about being a kind person. It's about having a real life-giving relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Amen. He wants to be close. As a matter of fact, being close is his idea. He said, hey, draw near to me. Draw near to me. You see, that's his idea. Being close is God's idea. It's not your idea. 
It's not the beat of your heart, it's the beat of his heart. And the only reason it would beat in your heart because it first beat in his. He wants us to be close to him. So that's the first step on our, on, on our spiritual journey. And so there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of sub-steps, there's a lot of things in between. For instance, you know, uh, one, of, one of your next steps after you know God, after you come into a relationship with Christ, is to be water baptized. Last week, we saw people, we think 30, what, 36 people take their next step and be water baptized. Man, it's just awesome. Awesome just experience and awesome just atmosphere and environment and seeing people take their next steps. And, and then, you know, not only that, but God wants you to take another step. And, you know, he wants you to not just identify with him through, being, through salvation, but he wants you to identify with a body of people. He wants you to identify with the church. Where, uh, he, he wants you to have a place to say, you know, that is my family. That, that church is my family. And so we want to we encourage you, if you haven't done this, to take one more step. We have starting point. It's going to be during our 1045 service, and we have starting point. And it's really, people ask me, say, how do I become a member of Relate Church? Well, you go to starting point. And in starting point, you're going to hear about the vision, and we're going to break down the vision even more. And, and you're going to hear how we, we intend to accomplish the vision and, and what's available for you at Relate Church and how you can ultimately make a difference with your life in the lives of others. So we encourage you to go to starting point. I mean, just, just, just jump in. Jump in, starting point, it's two steps. I mean, it's uh, this Sunday and it's next Sunday and then you go back to step one, so it's, it's two steps, it's real easy. And so we just encourage you to do that. And then, so the next big step, after you know God, how many of you, how, let me see how many of you are saved. You've been, let's say you've been saved for five years. Let me see, you've been saved for at least five years. Okay, how, how many of you realize after you got saved for five years that you still, there's some still stuff, the way, uh, wrong thinking, Stinking thinking, yeah. right? And, and that stinking thinking just kind of held you. I mean, it kind of uh, held you back in your relationship with God. Or there's things that you kept stumbling over in your life. Maybe it's bad habits that you had before you got saved. But it seems like those are the weights that are around your ankles that, that, that keep you from going forward in your relationship with God and other people. Or maybe it's just wrong ways of thinking or just some hurts from your past and maybe some things happened when you were a child and, and maybe you just got those hurts there and so everything that you, every way that you view others and God, you're viewing it through that pain. Yeah. And those things can hold you back from what God ultimately has for you. Right. right? And so the next step is freedom. God wants you and I to, he wants you and I to find freedom in our life. I mean, free. everybody wants freedom. Everybody wants to be free. Every, no one wants to be shackled by their past. No one wants to be shackled by sin. No one wants to be shackled by bad habits. No one wants to be shackled in, in, you know, in, in just very you know, unhealthy relationships. People, it's in you and I to be free. It's in us to be free. To be free people, free to worship God, free to walk with God, free to take a journey with God, to know him intimately. It's in us to be free. But as long as we're not free, and here's the thing, there's different degrees of freedom. There's, we're to go from faith to faith and from strength to strength and, and from, you know, uh, liberty to liberty and, and just and get freer and freer and freer as time goes on. So, so God wants you and I to be free. He wants us to be free from anything that would hold us back 
in our relationship with God. How many of you believe that? Now, and, and, and I know this for a fact, every single person in here, every single person here, including me, there's, there's, there's things in your life, it could be the way you think, it could be a habit, it could be, it could be a old, old hurts, old wounds, somebody didn't do you right, somebody didn't recognize you, somebody didn't praise you, somebody, you know, they, you were told all your life, you'll never amount to anything, and those things are just kind of in your mind, and they hold you back. Are you listening to me? They, they hold you back. So, but, but there's freedom in Christ. There, there's freedom in him. Uh, now, the title of this message would suggest that I'm going to be talking to you about Superman this morning. I'm not going to be talking about the fictional character of Superman, but there are some, there are some likenesses between Superman and us. Did you know that? Uh, here's one likeness. Superman, Superman is not from this world. And you and I as a believer are not of this world. We're in it, but we're not of it. Right? Superman possesses powers that normal human beings do not possess. If you're a born-again, spirit-filled believer, we are supernaturally empowered in ways that mere humans are not empowered. So there's some likenesses. Uh, Superman fights evil. You and I fight evil. Superman draws his strength from the sun. You and I draw our strength from the sun. So there's some, there's some likenesses there. There's some likenesses there, but there's only one thing that can stop Superman. What is it? Kryptonite, Kryptonite which was a fictional radioactive substance that was on his home planet. And there's only one thing that can stop you and I in our life, and that's our own brand of kryptonite, which is born on this planet that we live on, right? We, you, you could call it sin, sin. And, of course, we know this, that through one man's sin, death entered into the world. Or through one man's disobedience, sin entered into the world and, and death through the sin. And so not just physical death, but this this inability to have a relationship with God, this paralyzing thing that's in us that robs us of our motivation to go for God, because how many of you know a sin consciousness? I mean, you won't pray, you won't go to church, you're just kind of you're kind of you're you're a little bit timid to to approach God. And so there, just like there's one thing that can stop Superman, there is something that can stop you and I, and that's our, our own brand of kryptonite. So kryptonite not only robbed Superman of his, of his superhuman abilities, it made him weaker than just mere humans. And so sin in our life, habits in our life, hurts and wounds from the past in our life 
not only will they rob us of our supernatural strength and ability, but they'll make us even weaker than just a natural human. Are you listening to me? But there's freedom in Christ. There's freedom from the kryptonite in Christ. Amen. Uh, I, I love this. You, well, let me just, let me, so you're saying, I wonder what it is in my life. I think you probably already know. I think we all probably already know what it is that may be holding us back. But in case you don't, it, it's that one habit in your life that keeps holding you back. That one habit. That one habit that, that, that's holding you back. And you say, well, I, I, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Okay. It's, uh, it's the, I will never blank promise that you continually make to yourself and to God. I will never do whatever again. I will never do this again. It's the secret that you're afraid to share with others. Are you listening? So what, what is your kryptonite? What is it that's holding you back? Well, it, it's, it's the, I will never blank, whatever, fill in the blank, promise if I won't do it again. It's the secret that you're afraid to share. It's the place where you most need freedom in your life. Now, I think everybody in here, you probably got in your mind what that thing is right now. You, you have it in your mind that, that that thing, whatever that thing is, you know what it is. You see, the Word tells us that we are to lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us so that we can run the race that is set before us. Now, if you don't know what the weight and the sin is, how are you going to rid yourself of it? The fact is, we all know what it is. We know what that one thing is in our life that if, we, if I could just get free from this one thing, man, I could just, I could, my life would skyrocket for God. I know that if I, could, if I could rid myself of this one thing, I would be a powerhouse for God. If I could get free from this one thing, I, I know that my life would take on such significance and I could be a help to so many people if I could get free of this one thing in my life. Now, I know you've had conversations with yourself about that. You've laid on your bed. If I could just, if I could just be free from this, my life would take on significance. That I could really make a difference if I could just get free from this. Notice what Jesus said in John chapter 8. He said uh, in verse 31, he said, If you abide in my word... You are my disciples indeed. Now, a disciple is not the same as just uh, somebody who believes in God or believes in Jesus. A disciple is a follower. A disciple is someone who's just really interested in God. And they're following God. He says, so you're, you're, he said, you're my disciples indeed. And guess what? So if you, if, you, if you abide in his word, you abide in him and his word abides in you, guess what? He said, you'll know the truth. Everybody say the truth. He said, you'll know the truth. Now, we live in a day where everybody's got their own version of the truth. You hear people say, well, you know, just live out your truth. Your truth. But they're, they're, you, don't, you don't have your truth, and I have my truth, and, and, and Nancy has her truth, and John has her truth. There is the truth. And everything else is not the truth. 
You might have your feelings, but it's not the truth. You might have your emotions, but it's not the truth. There's not different versions of the truth. And if you buy into that lie that there's different versions of the truth, I tell you what, your life is, you're, you're going, your life is going to be an absolute chaos and wreck because it's only the truth that will make you free. It's only the truth that's really going to be significant and that's really going to have an impact in your life. And if you buy into this, well, my truth, I'm just going to tell my truth and I'm going to live my truth, your, your life's going to be a mess. You're going to be so confused. Y'all listening to This is really good preaching. I mean, this is really good preaching. Notice what Jesus said. He said, if, you, if you'll stay, stay with me, if you'll stay with my word, You'll know the truth, and the truth, the truth will make you free. It'll make you free. You'll know the truth. Now, this word knows the same one goes back to knowing God. It's this intimate. It's a, this intimate. I mean, it's something, I mean, that you've, that you've taken it. It's working in you. You've, you've digested it. It's in you. I mean, you're paying attention to it. You've decided this is the I'm going to live my life by this. He said, you're going to know the truth. The truth will make you free. And the Jews answered him. He said, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free if we've never been in bondage to anyone? And Jesus answered them, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Now that word commits because we, you know, the word says we've all sinned. We all come short of the glory of God. I'm sure you've sinned since you've been saved. But the, the word commits sin, he's really taught the person who practices sin. I mean, it's something that, that you, you practice. You're just, you know, you're, you're just practicing it. He who practices sin is a slave. Now there's only two reasons why someone would practice sin. Either they're not saved, or they are saved and they're bound. They're either not saved, or if they are saved, they're bound. All right? So he said, whoever, whoever practices sin is a slave of sin. Now, now, here's the good news, though. But therefore, if the Son makes you free, now how is he going to do it? Through the truth. If the Son makes you free, what? You shall be free indeed. How many of you like the way that sounds? A lot more than living in your bondage, a lot more than, you know, living in, oh, man, if I could just get rid of this, man, life would be better, but I just can't seem to get rid of it. How many of you know if, you, if, if the Son makes you free, Amen. then you're free indeed. It is in us to be free, and there's not a person in here who's never had that longing to be free completely. Whether it's cigarettes or ladies chewing tobacco or, you know, or some kind of sexual sin or, you know, or overeating or, you know, a past. And there, there's, there's no one in here who's never had that longing in the heart. Man, I just want to be free from this. I want to be free from these chains. I want to be free from this shackle. 
Amen. You know, one of the main reasons that Jesus came to the earth was to free us. Not just to save us, but to free us. In Luke chapter 4, 18, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim what? Freedom. Freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus came preaching the good news, what, that we could be reconciled to God, but that wasn't enough. He said, and also he came to set us free. Matter of fact, the word says that he came to destroy the works of the devil. He wants us free. Why? So that we can pursue that relationship with him. That we can be close to him. So that we can be effective for him. A lot of times we want, we want to go to making a difference. We want to jump down to the end of the journey and, and to making a difference before we're free. And the freer you are, the bigger difference that you'll make. The freer you are, the better you can know him and the better relationship you can have with him. Amen. So Jesus came to set us free. Now here's, here's something interesting. We're not as bound as we think we are. I know, I know you, you say, oh, Pastor Chuck, you just don't make, I struggle against this all the time. I just, I struggle with this sin. I struggle with this habit. I struggle with this way of thinking. I just can't seem to get what they did to me out of my mind. And I just struggle with it. And I struggle with it. And you know, and, and, and the thing is, if, you're, if your neck is in a noose, and you struggle against the noose that's around your neck, what's going to happen? The noose gets tighter. It gets tighter around your neck. So we need to realize this right up front, that struggling is not going to help you. You hear people say, I just struggle against this. Well, stop. I mean, you've been struggling for 20 years. Struggling isn't going to get you free. All the struggling does is tighten the noose around your neck. So if we're not to struggle, what are we supposed to do? If we're not to struggle against sin. You see, if you struggle against sin, you're going to build into yourself a sin consciousness. A sin consciousness will rob you of your faith. It'll rob you of your spiritual initiative. It'll rob you of your spiritual strength. So we struggle, we struggle, we struggle, and yet we're not free. And then somebody says, well, you know, you just got to just try harder. And so we try harder, and the noose gets tighter. How many of you want to be loose from the noose? I mean, you want to, I mean, just quit struggling against that thing and get it out from around your neck so you can breathe and so that you can live again. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Verse 3 says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. How many of you know the world struggles? They struggle. We don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. How, How many of you 
and instead of struggling, how would you like something to be just demolished? Yes. I, I like, you know, Isaiah, he talks about the anointing, and he said, uh, he said it, the anointing, we used to say the anointing breaks the yoke. Of, you know what a yoke is? A, a yoke is this contraption they put around these oxen that are plowing the field, just kind of keeps them in line. And, and he said the, the anointing will, we used to say break the yoke, but the word doesn't say the anointing breaks the yoke. The word says the anointing will destroy the yoke. That's what the anointing is, the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. How many of you like to have some burden-removing, yoke-destroying power on your sin instead of you struggling You've got something that just comes in and it, it, it just destroys, it removes that burden and it destroys that yoke. Yeah. Oh, Pastor Chuck, you about to lay hands on? No, you've had your hand, you've had hands laid on you plenty of times. Now I'm not saying that doesn't work. I'm just saying you've got something to do. Right? You've got to learn to activate the burden removing, yoke destroying power in your own life. Instead of waiting on the man of God or the woman of God to come put their hands on you, nothing wrong with that. But if that's going to work, it would have worked. I'm preaching a lot better than the three of y'all are amen. I'm just saying this. Amen. Where was I? He said, oh, okay. He said, on the contrary, they have these weapons that have been given to us have been given or or." They have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, stronghold is in the thought that if you see this in the Word of God, and the thought is a stronghold is a prisoner locked up by deception. In other words, people who have strongholds in their life, they're living life by some belief that is not true. They're living their life based on a belief that is not true. A stronghold is any lie that exalts itself in our minds. Let me tell you how this works. You hear that? I'm bound. I'm in bondage to this sin. I'm in bondage to this habit. I'm in bondage to my past. I, I, I just I can't. I just can't seem to get free. I'm struggling against this sin. I'm struggling against this habit. I'm struggling against these negative thoughts. I'm just struggling, struggling, and I can't get free. I can't get free. I'm bound. And then the devil comes and sits on your shoulder and goes, yeah, you're bound. And if you, would have, if you were going to get free, you would have been free by now because you had everybody lay hands on you. Y'all know that the, the, the devil is the accuser of the brethren. Man, you, you, start beating your, you start beating yourself up, he'll hand you a bigger club. He'll, he'll hand you a bigger club. Hey, hit harder. Hit bigger. Yeah, you're, you're worthless. You're, you, you're never going to be it for you. You're so unworthy of, of God's love because you, you do all this stuff, and you're never going to be free. And so a stronghold is, is, is a lie, it's a deception that we begin to live our life by. It takes root in us and we I just can't get free and I'm so bound. And it's this lie that we're living our life by. It's a deception. And then it builds something in us. And this, is what I was, this, this is what we said. Most of us are not as bound as we think we are. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Right? He came to destroy the works of the devil. So notice, we read this in John chapter 8. Let me just say it again. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, 
You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Now, a lot of times we want, I mean, it's kind of like, I've, I've never watched The Exorcist. Man, I, I, can't, I can't watch movies like that. Man, they'll, they'll scare me. I'll go cry to my mommy. But we, th we think that, that deliverance is going to come to our life, you know, just, and thank God sometimes it does. I, I know when I, when I got saved, I got delivered from cigarettes, and, and, well, anyway, I mean, it just happened just like that. So we think there's, everything happens like that, and sometimes things don't happen like that. And we think that we're going to have this exorcist moment that, man, it's just boom, and then I'm going to be free from everything. But notice this, he said, you'll know the truth, and the truth, if you continue my word, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So degree by degree, you're getting freer and freer and freer and freer and freer. And that thing that you think is so strong in your life, that thing that you think that has such a strong hold in your life, such a grip on your life, it begins to weaken, and it begins to let go. It begins to let go and weaken its grip until you just walk and you realize, you know what? I hadn't had that unforgiving, revengeful thought in weeks. I mean, I thought about how, how I'm going to get back to them every day of my life. I hadn't even had that thought in weeks. Why? Because the truth is making you free. How many of you, you can't go on with God until those revengeful, unforgiving thoughts and actions stop? So you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The truth will make you free. So what is the truth? Well, it can't be your version, right? Your version, what you think. What you want to be truth is not necessarily the truth. John chapter 17, verse 17 says, Sanctify them through your truth. Your word, your word is truth. Your word is truth. Everybody say, His word, His word. is truth. And the truth has within it the power, the ability to make you free. Okay, now I want you to turn with me to Hebrews 10. Let's get some application here, and then we're going to go. Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10 and uh, verse 23. Hebrews 10, 23. How many of you want to be free? Okay, six of you. That's great. All right, Hebrews 10, 23 for the six of you that want to be free. Here we go. He said, let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. For faithful is he who promised. Or he who promised is faithful. What did he say? Let us hold fast the confession of our faith. You know, most, most Christians, the only kind of confession they know about is confessing their sins. Constantly confessing their sins to God. Lord, I confess my sins, all of them I know about, and all those I don't know about. I just confess my <laughs> If you don't know about it, 
I just confess all those things that I did, and, you, and I didn't even know what to say. Stop it. <laughs> you think, you, you see, God's not. Now, the only reason that sin displeases God is because sin interrupts our fellowship with him. It's not because, it, it's not because of his ego. Sin bothers God because it disrupts our fellowship. That's it. Jesus has already put away sin. God is not judging you in this dispensation, in this age. He is not judging you. He's not judging America because of sin. Sin has its own built-in consequence. And God, didn't, God just said, I don't have anything to do with it. I'm not judging. My wrath is not falling on the earth right now. Sin has its own consequence. Sin has its built-in consequence. Now, here's the thing. It's not that God cuts off fellowship. You cut off fellowship. And so the only thing that bothers God about sin is because it just disrupts fellowship. And he doesn't like, you, he doesn't like seeing you get hurt. That's why you, you got a baby and they're going to play around the stove and that stove's on. You're going to slap their hand, right? Why? Because you don't want them to get hurt. So hold fast the confession of your faith. What does it mean to hold fast the confession of your faith? That word confession, it means just you just commit to saying the same thing as God. You're saying the same thing about you that God says about you. Y'all listening to me? You say the same thing about you that God says about you. So if you're going to say the same thing about you that God says about you, you can't say I'm bound anymore. You can't say I'm struggling anymore. You can't say I'm unworthy anymore. You can't say I'm weak anymore. Are you listening? Well, I just feel so weak. What's your feelings got? I mean, half the time, I come to church sometimes on Sunday mornings, I don't even feel saved. He said, you do? Yeah. But what's feelings got to do with it? I didn't base my life on feelings. I mean, sometimes I get up here and start to preach. I don't even feel called. How about that? I'm sitting there on the front row. I said, what in the world I'm doing about to preach? But what does feelings have to do with it? How many of you, sometimes you don't feel saved? But how many of you know that you, you, you're con you know that you know that you know that you are not because you feel like it because you acted on the word of God you acted on the word you you believed in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you confessed him as the Lord the boss of your life and you made that you made that confession and you probably made it many times and so that's what your faith is based on so notice this he said hold fast the confession of your faith hold it fast to saying the same thing so you 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 say what you believe not what you feel. You speak your faith, not your doubts. If you leave your doubts alone, if, if doubts will go unspoken, they'll die unborn. Y'all write that down. If your doubts, if your doubts go unspoken, if they if you don't act upon your doubts, they'll die unborn. 
But it's the same with faith. If your thoughts of faith, if they go unspoken or they're not acted on, your faith. It's just as though you don't have any at all. It'll die unborn. But if you'll begin to say, if you'll begin to confess what you believe, and what you believe ought to be what God said about you. You shouldn't be saying any other goofy stuff. Are you listening? You shouldn't walk around and say, oh, I'm sick. I'm sick. Well, I feel sick. Well, what's your feelings got to do with the word says you're healed? I'm just so broke I can't pay attention. You shouldn't say that anymore. Because he who was poor or he that was rich was made poor so that you through his poverty might be rich. Rich means abundantly supplied. I mean, quit saying you're poor. Yeah, but if I say I'm rich, people are going to make fun of you. They're going to make fun of you. Anyway, you come around to this church, they're going to make fun of you. They're going to say you're a cult. And say we're off, the, off our rocker. Probably handle snakes in there. No, I do, I do with a snake what you do. I either run or I get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, what if it's a king snake? I kill it too. I mean, I don't, I don't, want, I don't want them things up in my yard. Hold fast confession of your faith without wavering. He who's promised is faithful. Now notice this. You see, when we talk about freedom, freedom... Just like anything, it's not just let's work this formula and we'll be free. There's, there's so many integral parts. So notice this, because well, Pastor Paul talked about this some last week, that one way for us to be free, but it's not, he says this, confess your faults to one another that you'll be healed or free or delivered. So I, if I just come tell you my fault, I'm going to just be set free. no. You've got to take all this together. And so we say that, you know, the best place to do that, confess your faults in the, in the context of a small group with a small group of people that you can trust. Absolutely the truth. But there's something else that must transpire. Now notice this. Verse 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So when we get together in a small group, whether it's a whether it's a constituted small group, whether it's a church-related small group, or, or we just to get together with a group of friends, what are we supposed to be doing with one another? Stirring each other up. Amen. Stirring each other up. Not just talking sports. Not just talking food, which I like to do both of those. But stirring each other up. Everybody say stirring each other. That means you've got to have something in you. And I've got to hurry. Okay. Stir each other up. And no, notice this. 25. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. That doesn't just mean come to church. That means wherever you are with two or three, two or a few in a small group, wherever you are, notice what you're supposed to do. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another. That, that word exhorting means to call, call one another near. Call, call each other. I mean, you're, you're, you're stirring each other up. Stirring each other up in what? The truth. Yeah. 
So somebody says, you know what, I just got this, man, I got all these negative thoughts about a past relationship and I just can't seem to get past it. Man, I know that I, I can't go on with God without getting rid of all this in, in my life. So what are you going to do? Oh, we're going to just pray for you. It's fine to pray. But what do we need to do? Stir up people with the truth. Stir them up with the truth. I mean, I got this, I got this habit in my life and I just can't seem to break loose from it and, and I tried that 21 days you know 21 days to build a new habit or break a habit or whatever I tried all that I went 21 days and 22 days man it just seems like I was right back at it and I, I, was, I was bound again and, and they, people pour out your heart it might pour out their heart in tears oh we'll be praying about it no don't be praying about it we got to begin to stir each other up with the truth this is what the truth says this is what the word says that means you've got to know the Word. That means you've got to read your Bible. If you don't read the Bible, you're going to be spouting off all kind of dumb stuff. Be saying dumb stuff like, well, you know, God, for all just trying to work something out in your life, just give it some time. He said, it's been 30 years. How long does it take God to do something? I mean, I thought he was God. I thought he was great and mighty. I mean, how long? It's been 30 years. You see, you're talking dumb stuff. And so people got to hear the truth. You got you to bring the truth out, and you exhort one another with the truth, and you put truth in people, and you speak truth, and you confess truth, and, and, I, and people grab hold of the truth, and the truth begins working on the inside, and it begins to cause those strongholds to lose their grip. In our life. And I know some of you want those last two blanks that we didn't get to. It's the sword of the Spirit and it's prayer. Okay. I'm not preaching. Oh, that's what it is. The sword of the Spirit and prayer. Because y'all come up to me after this service. Say, what are those two blanks? How come you didn't get to the two blanks? I just did. I preached all the way around them without saying it. But there you go. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Man, it just cut those things right off. And learn how to pray the Word of God over yourself and others. Don't be praying goofy stuff and making up stuff. And you pray the Word of God over people. Speak the Word over people. Oh, God, I just asked that you'd help them. He's trying to help them. No, quit praying that. I mean, pray the Word of God. Speak the Word of God over people. And look, y'all don't call me and say, hey, what do I need to pray over these people? Find it in your Bible. I mean, man, there's, find, find it in the Word yourself. You say, well, I don't know where. Well, then come to Relay University in the fall. Shameless plug. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we give you thanks. We give you praise. We honor you. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your freedom. Oh, you came down and you took the devil's teeth right out of his mouth. He's all roar. He's all bark and no bite. And we thank you that we are free. Father, we thank you for this great salvation that you've provided for us through Jesus. And Father, I pray there's anyone in here this morning who's never received him never received Jesus as Savior, that they would do it this morning. Lord, I thank you that you're drawing them by your Spirit right now. 
you're in here this morning, you've never, you've never given your whole heart and your whole life to Jesus. And you say, how would I know? Because right now there's just, I mean, there, there's just something in you pulling you saying, you know, I need, to, I, need to, I need to do something with God. I need to make a decision for God. I need to get my life right with God. There's just something in you right now that's just kind of tugging on your heart right now. You say, I've never done that, but I want to do that. I want to pray for you this morning. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. Just every head, every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're in here, I'm going to count to three. When I do, just lift your hand. We're going to pray for you, just like we said. Here we go. One, two, three. Right now. Right now. I'm looking across the room. Lift your hand real high if that's you. Thank you. I see your hands. Thank you. A couple of people lifted hands. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Praise God. Thank you, sir. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hand in the back there. Awesome. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand in the back. Very good. Awesome. Thank you. I see your hand over here. Thank you so much for being bold to lift your hand. Good. Thank you, sir. All right. Let's pray. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray a prayer, and then I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, you see these hands. And more importantly, Father, you see the heart, and it's you who's working in us both to will and to do of your good pleasure. And Lord, I thank you that today that you begin something wonderful, something new in the hearts of these who lifted their hands. I thank you for it. I thank you that today they're born again and they become a new creation in Christ. Everybody pray this. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you raised him from the dead. Jesus, I ask that you come into my heart and save me. Fill me with your spirit. Empower me to live for you. Amen. Church, let's give these a real big hand, all right? Amen.